Beloved Church of God, beginning our divine service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm with the proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that the Lord is coming quickly. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in the place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi into your divine arms. We ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Miller place a scripture for us. Matthew chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, from he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The topic that our pastor gave to this given sermon is called Call to Perfection. Before we again are immersed into our inheritance into that word that we heard from the lips of the person who has been set for us by God, that word which we, according to the great mercy of God, have accepted in our hearts as a precious treasure and to that word that we have submitted to. I would like to remind us what Pastor tells us about repetition, the words and truths that we have already heard of. Only upon the repetition of the truths that we hear, we can gain a pure meaning, pure, renewed thinking pure thinking without any impurities of the flesh. This is important in our life so that we can stand watch of our sanctuary and be vigilant in prayer. It is through the repetition of those truths that are known to us, God leads us into fellowship with Him, fellowship in the garden that He has planted in our hearts, which is the wilderness in our heart, so that He can speak to our heart and give us from there our vineyards, and our valley of Acor to give us our vineyards. You'll remember that vineyards are an image of the judgment of God. So to give a person or return to a person the opportunity to practice the judgment of God. All of this happens when we dwell in that word that we hear the word that we have placed in our heart and placed in our mind and are thinking about it. He also promises that he will return the valley of Acor, 
What is this Valley of Achor? We remember that in the Valley of Achor there was judgment over Achan, over all of his family, when he encroached upon that which was accursed. God said, I will return this. I will make you hallowed unto God, and you are going to have the right to touch that which Achan had touched, for which he was stoned according to the Old Testament. It's interesting that Pastor pays attention to when Achan was hit. There was a lot of stones that were placed, and this heap of stones is present to this day. The pastor says that when we see this place of scripture, there we mean the teaching. There's a teaching hidden. When Samson, if you remember, there was a pit, and then this source is there till this day. There is a principle that is contained there for us, for future generations. And this principle is revealed only to his saints who are called to perfection. And therefore, being called to perfection as the promised commandment is the inheritance of saints of all time and generations. And this commandment is addressed by Christ to his disciples. And therefore, those who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment, nor can never have a relation to it. Their sermon was spoken by a pastor. You'll see the date on the notes. That there were th- oh, th- this sermon was over three sermons long, and in one service he completely had repeated this sermon. With regard to the fulfillment of this commandment in this series of sermons, of Pastor Arkadiy was uncovered and presented for us the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of man. What goals? was the righteousness of God called to pursue which dwells in our heart and in part on the fact that the purpose of righteousness in our heart accepted by us in the broken tablets of testimony and affirmed in the new tablets is called to give God the opportunity to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not through the law but through the righteousness of faith just as he had given this to Abraham and his seed. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The inheritance of peace in the heart of a person are the riches that contain all of the promises of God that yield the purpose of righteousness or the goals of righteousness. Through the peace of God we can and are called to guard our hearts and our thoughts in Christ Jesus. Philippines chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. To better understand the nature of the peace of God, which it pursues in the peace of God, and the conditions that highlight how our righteousness is called to be clothed into this peace, we arrived at the need to look at four classic questions. 
the nature that the peace of God has was one. Second, the purpose of the peace in our relationship with God. Third, what conditions or what price is necessary for the right to be clothed in the peace of God? And what signs should we test ourselves that we are the sons of peace and therefore the sons of God? If a person has not died to his nation, his household, and his corrupt desires, then the justification that he accepted in salvation through faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a deposit will never transform into a quality of righteousness in which, in which he would be able to bring the fruit of peace. And therefore these people will lose the promise that gives them the right to be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9 the phrase shall be called sons of God speaks of the reward that is contained in the virtue and property of the name of the Son of God. The property of the peace of God in the heart of a person testifies that he is a son of peace which gives God the opportunity to give this kind of a person the name of the virtue of the Son of God so that he, he can share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in the laws, prophets, and psalms. Because the justification that a person received by the right of his birth from the seed of the word of truth was transformed into a quality of righteousness in which he became able to bring fruit of peace in his relationship with God and his surroundings. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12:14. Pursue peace. Pursue means this is our responsibility. We are referring to a kind of peace that can, can be created only in the boundaries of holiness or expressed in holiness, the limits of which are yielded by the commandments of God. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12:18. And so the peace that we demonstrate that is outside of the limits of holiness and is not an expression of holiness, this is in fact lawlessness, for which we will need to pay the price of eternal life. It is impossible unto crime to have peace with the wicked who had accepted the truth at some point, but then left their assembly and turned away from the holy commandments. Peacemakers are the sons of peace. Because of this, to create the peace of God and be its carrier and therefore pass it along to those who are like it could only be the sons of peace. Luke chapter 10 verses 5 through 6 But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, Shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Mark 6.11 With the greeting of peace, we are called to define the sons of peace. Because the greeting of peace represents the order of the kingdom of heaven that abides in the sons of peace, in the virtue of godly theocracy, 
yielding the authority of God and the right to establish this order. Those who call themselves saved but do not regard the order that is expressed in theocracy and established by God in His kingdom, which on earth is the church of Jesus Christ in the face of the blood of the Lamb, these are people who through their lawlessness create division, not peace. And these kind of people cannot be called the sons of God and therefore cannot be called sons of peace. With whatever reasons people may justify themselves to clear their conscience, they are still sons of lawlessness. Whatever garments they may be clothed in to justify their lawlessness, the fact of their rebellion towards the words of the messengers of God have been placed over them testifies of the peace they have lost and refers them to the category of the wicked. Because again, their resistance or rebellion toward the word of the messengers of God have been placed over them, testifies of the peace they have lost, and refers them to the category of the wicked. Isaiah 57 verses 20 through 21 But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. We have already looked at the first two questions. What are the definitions of the peace of God or the characteristics of it? And what is the purpose of the peace of God in our relationship with Him? Therefore, we will turn to the third question. What conditions must be fulfilled so that in Christ we could be clothed in the inheritance of the covenant of peace contained in the laws, prophets, and psalms? We we'll be looking at the price for the right to be clothed in the peace of God that is intended to keep our thinking in Jesus Christ that is comprised of a set of components that are contained in Holy Scripture. The price for the right to be clothed in the peace of God which we will focus our attention on today is comprised of two conditions that are tied to one another. This is to depart from evil and only then do good. Psalms 34:14 Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And pers- pursue means to chase after. And thus if we do not do this this will be called evil. It is important to know how one is the result of the other. The first condition is to depart from evil in the face of its carriers. Only after this, we will receive the legal right that allows us to fulfill the second condition. This is to do good. And only then, the third condition, to seek peace in Christ Jesus in doing good. And Pastor focuses our attention. Scripture says, Therefore, To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Good deeds, which this is referring to, are the deeds of God, and they should be distinguished from the deeds of man who act like he is performing the deeds of God. So the works of God 
with the works of God, a person will resist the works of man that come from his own intellect. John 6, 28-29 They said to him, to Christ, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to him, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. And therefore, whatever good deeds we may be doing, and whatever service of evangelism we may be building, if we do not submit to the authority of a messenger of God and choose for ourselves a person who would flatter our ears and confirm that our works are the works of God, these are the works of lawlessness for which sooner or later harvest will come. To depart from this kind of evil, it is necessary to distinguish good from evil that we can reject evil and accept good. Otherwise, instead of departing from evil, we will be departing from good, thinking that we are departing from evil. Even the Son of God, as the Son of Man, was called to learn how to define what is evil and what is good. He had to become a disciple. Why? Because the manufacturer of milk and honey is the teacher and not we ourselves. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. This is what Isaiah prophesied about Christ, Isaiah 7:15. In these prophetic words, we find the sequence, specifically first, to refuse evil. This is an image of departing from evil and then choose good. This is an image of doing good or practicing the works of good. Babes in Christ or the carnal category of people will not be able to distinguish good from evil and therefore cannot refuse evil and choose good. This means that this kind of canment cannot be fulfilled by them. Good and evil are two programs that are against one another. If not in a programmable device, which are people and angels, these two programs cannot manifest themselves or even exist or function. So we need a programmable device. For the program to work, there is a computer that is needed. From this, we made a conclusion that to do good, we must depart from people who have the outward appearance of godliness, but in fact are the carriers of the program of evil. And the first carrier of the program of evil, and there's someone right here, in us is the old man, the old man which we are called to crucify. The people of this world are not carriers of the program of evil, pastor shows us. The programmable device that carries evil, this program of evil that can defile us, is a person. A person who was once alive for God, but then died to Him. The people of this world were never alive. It's as if they don't exist. For a person to die for God, it's necessary for him to be resurrected. He first must be born to God. Apostle Paul says, that we must be separated from the world, not just from the world itself, but from the people who call themselves the children of God, but they remain in sin. 
or rather legalize sin. You can drink a little bit, you can cheat a little bit, you can lie a little bit, you can gossip a little bit too, they say. This is that which defiles. And we should note that there exists a big difference between departing from evil and resisting evil. This difference lies in the fact that to resist evil we are called to do only in those cases when this program of evil in the face of its character, including our sinful nature, rules in those spheres which belong to us and for which we carry responsibility before God. And to depart from evil we are called to do in those cases when this program of evil in the face of its carrier does not resist us individually because it rules in those spheres which belong to us which, excuse me, do not belong to us and for which we do not carry responsibility before God. And therefore, there exists a big difference in the conditions. To depart from evil in the face of its carriers, it is necessary to eat milk and honey, which make a person capable of being able to reject evil and choose good. So it's necessary to become a disciple. And in order to resist the program of evil in the face of its carriers, it's necessary to first submit our essence to God through instruction and faith about the cross of Christ in which we are called to die to our nation, to our household, and to our corrupt desires. We must also become a disciple for this. And only after that to resist the program of evil in the face of its carrier including our old man. And therefore, submit to God, resist devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James chapter 4, verses 7-8 through eight. Considering that in this case, it is necessary for us to look at how we are called to depart from the program of evil in the face of its carriers, including our old nature. Our old nature, which is very curious and always sticks its nose in that place where, where it doesn't need to. We will look at the definitions. The pastor shows us the definition in Hebrew of the word to depart. To depart means to avoid, do not touch, to not look, to not enter into a disagreement, to not be at enmity, to not enter into an alliance, to not support, to take refuge in God. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple passes on and are punished. Proverbs 22, 3 A prudent man is a person who has a good heart. Esther focuses our attention to the fact that in this case, that a prudent person hides from this evil because they do not have the legal right to confront the enemy who is not in the boundaries of his responsibility before God.
When it says that a prudent man says evil, this is referring to the fact that he acknowledges that he does not carry responsibility before God for those boundaries wherever evil manifests himself. I didn't. I answer for my children that I have in my house, not for others in other houses. When it says that a prudent man hides from the enemy, then this means that he understands that he does not carry the responsibility before God for those boundaries where evil manifests itself. And when it says that a prudent man hides from the enemy who is headed toward not his boundaries, then it means that this man is taking refuge in God. And so, if we will depart from the program of evil in the face of its carriers, according to God, we will be protected in Christ Jesus, which will then allow us to practice good. Because to practice good that God intends us to do is possible only when we are protected in Christ Jesus. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. What are good works? Good works are the works of God. They are the works that God fulfills. Jesus said, I do only that which I see my Father doing. I speak only that which I hear my Father saying. We oftentimes do good, which we look at with our fleshly mind. And we say, yes, in this situation, it would be good to help. In fact, without even understanding that this help could be lawless and evil in the eyes of God. And therefore, considering what we have read, it follows that he who has departed from evil, who has departed or has hidden in Christ Jesus, by doing so, we ended up in the boundaries in which we can fulfill the good established by God, which is the price the price to be clothed in the peace of God. And therefore, if a person is not found in Christ Jesus, any kind of good which he will do will be unlawful, and it is going to be viewed by God as lawlessness. Another one that Pastor mentions us in this sermon is, as an example, These people did good in their eyes, but God said that they are workers of iniquity. Luke 13, 23-27 is this where this is written about. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter, will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you, where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you, where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Narrow gates. Narrow gates are an image of the body of Christ in the face of the church, the bride of the Lamb, that is defined by the structure of governance that is expressed in theocracy, which is the order of the kingdom of heaven that has only one street or only one path that leads to the throne of God. 
which is the teaching of Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh. These are the narrow gates. To strive to enter is to pursue, to apply our effort, to find and to enter into such a church. Because the church are the gates to heaven. And without the church, no, no one will be able to enter into heaven. The head of this church is Christ. But a person can't enter through the head. It is written that Christ is the head of the body. And God honors his body only through such a church. And when a person is a part of this kind of church, when he becomes an organized part of such a church, only then to him is opened the door to heaven. Today, many people choose churches for themselves where there are where there is no theocracy, where there is no price that needs to be paid. There is nothing to be fought with. There is no humility to be shown. There is nothing to sacrifice. And these kinds of churches in Scripture are called wide a wide gate or a wide path. And among this street, there flows the river of life. This is the image of the Holy Spirit that acts in the limits of the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. If in the church the teaching of Jesus Christ is not preached, then in such a church there is a different kind of river, a river of seduction, which is accepted as the Holy Spirit by others. On both sides of the banks there is a, tr- there is a tree that, that grows the tree of life, the leaves of the trees that are for the healing of the nations. This is the image of the kingdom of heaven in a person, which is a partaker of the body of Christ, in whom dwells the word of God and the Holy Spirit, which offer to God the true fruits of righteousness. Whereas people that contend to the kingdom of heaven appoint to God, point to God, on their own streets, which he so-called had taught them on, which causes his just anger upon them. He could teach and could teach only those who strive to enter into his kingdom through the narrow gates. He taught on his street, which is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, doing good is the offering of the fruit of righteousness that is possible only under the condition that we have been hidden in Christ Jesus. From which we can conclude that good and the subject of righteousness can come or occur from only the good heart of a person, which is yielded as a wise heart that has both the meme and urim in it. Thus, doing good is defined by the source of our origin. All that comes from a good heart is good, and all that comes from an evil heart is evil. In Scripture, the word good and the word virtue come from the word grace. And thus, to practice good works means to show the works of grace, which in practice means to be carriers and manifestors of the grace of God. In Hebrew, the word grace is tied to the inheritance and comes from the root of the verb to prosper, to care for, and to prepare, which on our end means that the expression of grace 
or doing good, firstly, is called to be directed to people who have entered into a covenant with God. And on God's end, to do good means that He, through His grace, founded on the greatness of the new covenant, has taken care of and prepared to His nation the inheritance of peace in the subject of full salvation, from which it follows that there where there lacks the mutual bonds of a covenant of peace, good which we are called to fulfill in the subject of grace, does not have its legal framework, meaning it is unlawful, illegal, however good it might seem in our eyes. Outside of the covenant of peace, outside of the conditions of the covenant of peace, it is evil. All good will be unlawful. Because of this, the rule of grace and the subject of our good deeds that we are called to fulfill gains its powers only in the boundaries of the covenant of peace. And this is only in the boundaries of the covenants of peace. First, we are called to do good works in the boundaries of the covenant of peace in which we find a good wife in the face of the bride of the Lamb, the head of which stands the messenger of God and not a person that is, in chosen, that is chosen by a majority of votes. Here the church is presented now, not as a narrow gate, but now in the virtuous wife. Proverbs 18.22 He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. A good wife is the gathering of saints, which are the narrow gate, or who speak of the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Therefore, a covenant of peace with God that provides the legal framework for the work of God's grace in us is presented in a good wife who represents the body of Christ. A wife who does not accept her husband as the head in the order of theocracy cannot be a good wife. For the gathering of saints, accepting the husband as the head is to respect the order of God, which means, in the root, to reject the democratic structure of rulership, and therefore the congregation of saints with a democratic structure of, of rule cannot be good in the eyes of God, cannot be called a good wife. And we know that the majority of churches are founded specifically on this kind of a structure. I myself grew up in this kind of a church where the pastor and the deacons were selected by the church by voting. Second, we must practice good deeds in the boundaries of a mutual covenant with God that involves identifying ourselves in the death of Jesus Christ and in His resurrection. Mark 16.16 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Good works is to believe and be baptized, because we might be baptized without believing, but pursuing our own interests, other goals. For example, to be baptized in order to get married, to be baptized because, well, all of my friends have now accepted baptism. I'm going to be like the odd one out. To be baptized to coincide with those who surround me. 
So good works can only be done in the boundaries of a covenant that we have made with God. A person who pursues some kinds of his own goals in baptism, all the works that he is going to do, these are going to be incriminated to him as evil because he has not made a covenant with God. He does not understand what a covenant is. So good works can only be done in the boundaries of a covenant made with God, which we make in baptism. Outside of this covenant, any kind of good work in our eyes will, will be lawless. Third, we are called to do good deeds through the worthy partaking of the Supper of the Lord as seen in the New Testament. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do, uh, new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Luke 22, 20. If we do not dwell in the supper, if this is not found in us, and if we are not found in the Pesach feast, then any kind of good in our eyes, which we are going to practice, and which truly will be good, God is going to look at this as lawlessness. Why? Because it is impossible to call the work of God that which a person does outside of the Pesach of the Lord, outside of the Great Sabbath. Fourth, we are called to do good deeds through the acceptance of the person whom God established over us, who is the mouth of God that spreads the wisdom of Urim. John chapter 6, verses 28 through 29. And so they asked him and said, What do we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus said, This is the work of God that you believe in whom he said. We are called to clearly understand that good is the acceptance of the person whom God has sent. And this acceptance is comprised of the fact that we accept and we submit to his word. We had looked at in what boundaries our works will be called good by God. Now, let's look at the essence of uh, virtue that is called to flow in a covenant with God. First a, first, a true practice of good in the covenant of peace will be defined in the heart of a person in the format of a good seed that yields the kingdom of heaven in the heart of a person, which a person received through the preached word of the messenger of God, whom himself became the good seed. He answered and said to them, Jesus says, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom of heaven, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Matthew chapter 13, verses 37 through 38. Here, Pastor focuses our attention to one important detail. In this parable, the good seed is not the seed of the preached word, but rather the sons of the kingdom, whom the Son of God plants in his death, on the field of peace, so that the sons of the kingdom, who came from death with resurrection, in him could practice good works. For example, Jesus, speaking of the purpose of the death of himself in the format of a seed had at one point said the following. He said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies it produces much grain. 
He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. Only have accepted in our heart the seed of the gospel kingdom, we will receive the opportunity to follow after Jesus and to sow ourselves in the death of the Lord Jesus, so that we can then grow from this seed the tree of life that offers the fruit of righteousness. Regarding the sowing of ourselves as grain in the death of the Lord Jesus, the Lord had pursued one goal, so that we receive the opportunity to offer the fruit of righteousness. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 32. The seed of the word about the kingdom of heaven that is sown in the good soil of the human heart contains in itself the expanseness of the grace of God, or rather, every good gift of God that is contained in the inheritance of peace. As it is written in James chapter 1, verse 17, For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift of God that comes from the Father of light is offered to the children of God, None, no other way than in the format of a good seed through the good shepherd who is represented by his good messengers. Second, a true practice of good in the covenant of peace grown from the good seed and the good heart of man will be defined in bringing God a sacrifice expressed in the fruit of the lips that praises God. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Luke chapter 6 verse 45. A person that has the good, uh, the evil treasure in the heart will, will always do good for his own gain, for his own benefit, and for his own fame. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Hebrews 13.5 A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Matthew 7.18 That which we accept in the format of a seed went through death, and then is born, and it is our property, our fruit. So, it's possible to praise God with our lips, but our heart might be very far away from this kind of praise, and this is incorrect. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Matthew 7:18. Third, a true practice of good in the covenant of peace will be defined in the heart of a person by the source that comes from instruction of a father whom God has given us. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. 
Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. The instruction of a father. This is a good work. It is the good teaching. When we have prepared our heart to hearing the word of God, and we have come to this place, which is the good wife, in that place where the person that has been established by God is a father for us, who gives us the good teaching. When we accept this teaching, and we show our obedience to it, then God views all of these actions as good, a good work. And here it is written, pastor shows that a source will be defined in the heart of a person. The choice of this source is the kind of sowing, sowing from which will depend further on that which we are going to be clothed in. Fourth, a true practice of good in the covenant of peace is above all an expression of the state of the heart that is yielded by a good conscience. Any act of good that is made from the position of a blemished conscience does not have the right to be called a good deed. This is why, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. When a person sins, his conscience becomes blemished. And God, who in this conscience of a person, through the word, is going to speak and he's going to say, you were incorrect. And instead of correcting our sin, our action, a person tries to, with through his good works, he tries to do good to please God, because his mind is always giving him the incorrect information. The human mind will never agree with justification, the gift of justification from God. He is going to labor, he is going to try to go towards evangelism, he is going to seek the poor, he is going to organize missionary trips, fast and pray, thinking that in this manner he is doing so-called good works, and with these good works he will blot out his sin. It is impossible to blot out sin with our works. We need to repent, to confess our sin, and only from the position of a good conscience to practice good, a good work. A true practice of good in the covenant of peace is seen in the eyes of God as good. And fifth, the true practice of good in the covenant of peace is never forced or done without consent. It is always voluntary. Philemon chapter 1 verse 14 But without your consent I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. Doing good is supposed to be desirable, to do it as for the Lord. And a person in this finds, and the new man in this finds his pleasure. Six, a true practice of good in the covenant of peace is always expressed in obedience to those whom God has established over us. 
as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. This is referring to any kind of authority that is established by God for us. It's not just a pastor in our church. This is also the husband in our house, our manager at work, the policeman, our mother, father, or teacher in school. And it doesn't matter how this authority, if they're just or unjust towards us, they remain the lawful authority from God. We have no right to slander this authority. For it is written, those who are leaders among your people do not slander. And when we do not slander, this is going to be our good work. And we must remember that we are called to only submit to this authority only in the boundaries that are outlined in Scripture. Seventh, a true practice of good in the covenant of peace will be the fruit of our mouth expressed in the bridling of our tongue. Not somebody's, but our tongue. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14. You know, sometimes we want to uh, answer to someone's sarcasm or some kind of sharp word that he has against us to show us that I also can answer with wit and in such a way that you will have goosebumps. But again, this will not be considered, this kind of reaction will not be considered a good work. But if we bridle our lips, this God is going to view as a good work. Considering that the purpose of a true act of good is directed toward the goal of searching for God in the promises of God contained in the covenant of peace, we will look at the covenant of peace and those promises and for those promises for which we are called to practice the good deeds that are yielded by the deeds of God. So first, again, we looked at in what boundaries our works are going to be looked at as good by God. We looked at the essence of uh, virtue and good works, and now we are going to look at the purpose of true acts of good or virtues. First, the purpose of a true act of good in the covenant of peace is so that we can inherit the resurrection of life. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attend to the resurrection from the dead. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. A true virtue follows the final goal of resurrection of the dead. Here, Pastor, again, focuses our attention to one important detail, that when we come to God, we are not supposed to say to Him, Lord, remember, 
Remember how I served you. Remember how I did good works for you. Remember that I did not do anything bad, but rather coming to him, we say, Lord, all the good works that I am able to do, all of this is thanks to your mercy. If it would not be your strength nor your mercy, I would not be able to remain unblemished before you. My state of being unblemished is not my work, it is your work. The main goal, thanks to which we will practice good works, is to be clothed in resurrection. For what? So that we can reach the resurrection of the dead. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. Here, our pastor uncovers for us that the resurrection of Christ is not something that is abstract. The resurrection of Christ will come to us in the face of our new man. Blessing is God's program. But in order to bless, there needs to be the carrier of this program. There needs to be a programmable device. Just like for lawlessness, lawlessness needs a person that is going to be a programmable device so that he can practice evil. Same thing for God. He needs a person. In order to pour out his blessings, he needs a person, a programmable device. And this programmable device is our new man in Christ Jesus, who is the carrier of the resurrection of Christ. That is why Apostle Paul writes, that it is not to be clothed in resurrection, but to be clothed in the new man who is the living programmable device, the carrier of the resurrection of Christ. And to her it was given to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And to her it was granted. She herself couldn't be clothed in these garments. To her it was granted. None of us on our own are going to be able to be clothed into the new man. We are going to be given the right and the authority to be clothed into it. And this right is going to be given thanks to the fact of the good works that we will practice. What do good works pursue? They pursue... Their pursuit is being clothed in these robes of righteousness thanks to those works which God calls good. Good works is our sanctification for Christ. For Christ, I am sanctified. I am sanctified so I can be dedicated to God. Second, the true act of good in the covenant of peace is to be able to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. It is with true good works, which God calls good, that we are going to be able to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Who are foolish men? 
foolish people or foolish men are those that are ignorant. They don't know the teaching of Christ, although they portray themselves as very intellectual and smart people. We refuse to do those good deeds that foolish people do and do these kind of ignorant people, they say that we must love everyone and we must demonstrate tolerance. But a true child of God knows and will always say, there is no peace for the wicked. He proclaims God's justice over these people, not showing any help to them, not having any kind of fellowship with them. This, in the eyes of God, is going to be called good. But if a person who despises sin ends up in sin because he is a servant, he is fighting sin, then this kind of person is not wicked. And in so-called these churches, usually these people are excommunicated for some kind of sin, for adultery, for fornication. But we are called to show mercy to these people and comfort, praying for them and helping them to be delivered from sin. Thus, we put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4-6 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Any kind of image of thinking is a stronghold, the stronghold that a person relies on. Truly good works are going to destroy these strongholds. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4-6 through 6. The third purpose of a true good, act of good in the covenant of peace, this is to establish justice at our gates. Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Amos chapter 5, verses 15. Our main gates, firstly, are our lips. This is that which we will accept, accept that which we will say, and that which we will proclaim. Because by a man's words he will be justified, and by his words he will be condemned. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrew chapter 1, verse 9. Apostle Paul took this from Psalms 44, verse 8. To establish justice on our gate is to hate lawlessness in the face of its carriers and also to love righteousness in the face of its carrier. Because programs of good and evil without a carrier, do not work on their own. This is the old and the new man that are the carriers. Let a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice 
wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me, it shall be as excellent oil, let my head not refuse it. Take a look at how a program works, the program of God. This is mercy. Um, discipline is mercy. Correction is mercy. This is the best oil for the, for the head. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Psalms 141 verses 3 through 5. The fourth purpose of a true act of good in the covenant of peace is to prepare identical weights and honest scales. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord, and dishonest scales are not good. Proverbs 20.23 The opposite of this verse notes that identical weights and honest scales is good or are considered the work of God. Weights and scales is our thinking, with which we weigh and appraise the words and acts of our own and those around us. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. Proverbs 15:26. And I really like, Pastor always mentions this example, the example of how we weigh one another. When a person is, uh, we empathize with him, then we in relation to him always say, how much will two, uh, two plus two be? Five. We uh, we hire the appraisal of a person, a person who we love, who we like. We close our eyes to a lot of things. But when somebody, when it's somebody that we don't like, that we do not empathize with, and when we say two plus two, we say three. Well, if this person is also our, our competitor in something, then we will just say two. This kind of hypocrisy, it are dishonest scales and weights, and this is evil in the eyes of God. A true act of good will strive towards honest scales and honest weights. Honest skates, uh, scales and weights can be only in the Word of God. Fifth, the purpose of a true act of good in the covenant of peace is to overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12.21 When we carry out the judgments upon the wicked, one person says to me, Igor, well this is what pastor says to us all the time. And he reminds us about the wicked. Why do you talk about it? Because the wicked lives in my... I apologize. He lives in my essence, not in my heart but he is found in death. And David always says, I am going to be vigilant over my lips while the wicked remains before me. So while we are found in the body, in it is the law of sin and death. And this wicked one in us is our old man. And we are called to be vigilant over that which we hear, over that which we accept, and over that which we speak. Therefore, the pastor repeats every sermon, I always relate this firstly to my old man when it has to do with the wicked. When we, 
And when we speak this judgment over the wicked, we overcome evil with good. Because that which we speak is considered then good. God views His word as good. We are speaking the word of God. And it is always considered good. But this is only when we speak justly. Just like when a child of God, an infant, a carnal, he showed his character. And we take it and cover him. We did not avenge him and we did not slander against him. This is considered good. This kind of a person is not wicked. So we all, even spiritual, being spiritual, we might do some kind of carnal act. That's why we must stoop down to one another's level and to cover evil with good. He who scatters has come up before your face. Man the fort, watch the road, strengthen your flanks, fortify your power mightily. Nahum 2.1 Here there is victory. Good is to man the fort, watch the road, strengthen our flanks. Our tower is our trust in God, our hope. We are called to be vigilant so that our hope and the teaching are not distorted. If the teaching is going to be distorted, then when the destructor comes upon us, we will not withstand him. A good work is that there is no thought of rebellion that tries to diminish the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh in our heart to man the f- or to watch the road is to watch our calling so that we are not led led astray to that which the Lord did not call us to Satan is always going to test us trying to lead us away to different kinds of things which we have no partaking to this is to some kind of help in different so-called good works God is going to, Pastor shows, He's going to allow certain situations to come up and we are going to be tested. I can help. As much as my budget allows. We must always say, I'm sorry, this is not my work. We can directly say to a person, He's not our brother, He's not a member of our church. He has not even made a covenant with God. This was the fifth one. The sixth purpose of a true act of good in the covenant of peace is called to bring us pleasure. Every prudent man acts with knowledge and receives pleasure, but a fool lays open his folly. A good mind as an expression of the faith of the heart is the path by which pleasure is received in the heart of the righteous through the righteousness of his faith which he proclaims with his mouth. In Hebrew, the word pleasure which a good man brings means the favor of God, the peace of God. And in Hebrew, the word hardness or stiffness obtained along the path of a lawless man yields the hardness of the anger of God. Based on this meaning, the expanded version of the translation of this verse could be this. 
a good mind as a definition of the renewed mind of a righteous person is the path by which peace of God is obtained in the heart in the format of his favor. The path of the lawless as the definition of the mind of a lawless person brings hardness in the format of the anger of God. The mind of a lawless person is, is not of the renewed mind, it is just an ordinary mind. He is not called to study the Word of God. It is possible to study the Word of God only with a renewed mind. Pleasure is given only through a renewed mind. Basically, our thoughts which express the state of our heart and define the state of our heart, this is a kind of harvest that is seen by Scripture either as a good deed or an evil deed. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7 Sowing occurs in the soil of the heart, whereas harvest in the format of our thoughts that come from the heart occurs in the realm of our thinking. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7-9 through 9. The seventh purpose of a true act of good in the covenant of peace is to act justly, love the works of mercy, and to humbly walk before God. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. This is considered good. This is that which our good works strive for. In these words, the purpose of a true act yielded by the work of God in the covenant of peace is comprised of three components, to act justly, to love the works of mercy, and to walk humbly before God. To act justly is to demonstrate the justice of our God that is limited by the boundaries of His holiness in relation to every flesh, including ours. Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Psalms 106.3 The holiness of God is the judgment of God which we keep. And firstly, we keep it in relation to ourselves. This is the action of, of justice. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 17 through 18 says, Also I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with dead will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge, the scourge, the scourge of holiness passes through, then you will be trampled down by it. To love the works of mercy is to show mercy to the vessel of mercy in the boundaries of the commandments and statutes that have been established by God and which stand guard or watch of His holiness. To practice mercy is possible to only the carriers of mercy and not to the carriers of anger. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity but toward you goodness if you continue in his goodness 
Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Romans chapter 11, verses 22. If we try to show mercy to the vessels of wrath, then what happened with one of the Israel kings, Ahab, will happen to us. When he had expressed his mercy towards a king, he says, God says to then this person, he says, because you let this person go, your soul will be in place of his soul. Your hands will be in, in place of his. When we try to abolish God's decree, God will say that this decree is going to fall upon us then. To walk humbly is the ability to bridle our tongue so that we could be the mouth of God. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3. Humility is a complex word because it is comprised of two words. Humility and wisdom. Wisdom in this word in Hebrew is translated to meekness. And lastly, the eighth purpose of a true act of good, and very interesting, and we will then pray, is comprised of zeal for God, in which we are called to stand up for those who are under our responsibility, including ourselves. Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel, because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. The action of Phineas is the true good work. Zeal for God is to stand up for that which belongs to God, for that which is hallowed unto Him. We also are hallowed unto the Lord, which whom God has redeemed. Our body is hallowed unto the Lord, and we are called to stand up for it, to battle with the desires of the old man. This is the good work in the eyes of God. The name of the Israelite that was killed, that was killed with the Midianite, was Zimri, the commander of the descendants of Simeon, and Cosby, the daughter of Midian. Here, the Lord mentions specifically many names because in each name there's a certain truth or meaning that is contained in it. And the Lord said to Moses, Fight the Midianites, harass the Midianites, and attack them, for they harassed you with their schemes by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a leader of Midian, their sister, who was killed in the day of the plague because of Peor. Numbers 25, verses 11 through 18. 
In this case, if we do not demonstrate zeal for God and destroy evil in the boundaries of our responsibility, including ourselves in the face of Zimri, the commander of the descendants of Simeon and Cosby, the daughter of Midian, then God and his zealousness will destroy our calling as well as ourselves. Baal Peor is a deity that the Moabites and Midianites worshipped. The name Baal Peor means the master and ruler of Peor. This is the highest mountain in the realms of Moab on which a temple was built to worship Baal Peor. Baal was the master and ruler of fertility, master and ruler of the heavens, storms, thunder, and lightning. Depending on the land, Baal could have been called the name of the land, mountain, or any other name. The Jews had called him Yahweh Baal. Zimri means my song, my praise, my worship. Cosby means deceiving. This is an image of seduction expressed in a worship that is founded on emotions or feelings. It doesn't matter what we feel because we are not called to be based on our emotions. Our emotions might be excited upon worship for God or they might not be. When we define our relationship and closeness to God by our feelings, then we have, uh, and this is called Cosby, Zimri, my song, my praise, my worship. Instead of proceeding from the Spirit, we then are tied to our own feelings and we depend on them and we are led by them. As priests, we are called to destroy this kind of a person in ourselves. And in conclusion, the right to be clothed in the peace of God that is intended to keep our thoughts in Christ Jesus, we will remember that every good deed that is done outside of the legal framework of good work yielded by a covenant of peace, this is not reconciliation with God, but a war against God. Our time has gone out, and we will pray right now. May the Lord bless us so that our righteousness, which we have accepted in justification, could be in the quality of righteousness, so that we, like Abraham and his seed, could gain the covenant of peace, in which are found all of the promises of God. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for that word that we were able to have today before your face upon this holy place that you have defined so that here we can worship and meet with you. Where you teach us, where you uncover the mystery of your word, which you have placed higher than all of your names, submitting yourself to your word and making yourself a servant of your word. You have become captive of your word. You fulfill only that work which came out of your lips, not which we want or desire, 
But that you are going to fulfill only that word which came from your lips, from the lips of your messengers, whom you have made your lips, and to whom you have entrusted your word. And all that you have said, you are strong to fulfill. You want, Lord, for us, your children, having accepted your word from the lips of your messengers, to become servants of your word, just as you have become a servant of your word. So that this great virtue, to be a servant of your word, could become our search. So that we can strive towards our high calling in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your church, which is the good wife in the narrow gate, where you teach us to resist lies, thanks to the fact that we know your voice and the voice of our pastor. And we truly have known that you answer to him from your holy heavens. You have made it so that you have placed this anointing in our hearts, thanks to which we can distinguish the person sent by God from the person who is selected by people and from the person that has, has appointed himself. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you must make us capable of differing good from evil when we reject ourselves in our own view of good and evil. What is correct and what is incorrect? When we incline our ear to instruction and your teaching, you uncover for us, according to your great mercy, that which is good and evil in your eyes. We thank you, Lord, that you have overcome our sin on the cross. You have risen, and with your resurrection, you have fully destroyed the power of death, illnesses, tragedies, poverty, and all kinds of dependencies on sin. You have clothed us in the righteousness of your Son, not according to our works, but according to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We thank you for the reign of the power of life in our bodies. We thank you for your divine order for all of your ministers who zealously labor for the church, for all the prayer warriors, for the leaders of cell groups, for the ushers, musicians, those that do camera for all saints, and especially, Lord, we thank you and pray for our dear Pastor Arkady, that your mercy could hurry in haste to our soon meeting so that we can continue to hear your word, that our hope and trust in you and your word could all the more grow in our hearts. We thank you and bow down before you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And in conclusion of our service, we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory in unblemished joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.